you want to raise more money and connect with more supporters this Giving Tuesday and throughout the entire giving season, then check out GiveButter. GiveButter is ranked as the number one software for fundraising, donor management, and auctions by G2, the largest independent software review site. And the best part? GiveButter's all-in-one fundraising platform is completely free to use forever. So just go to jcsocialmarketing.com forward slash GiveButter to create your account and you could win a free campaign marketing review session with me and the GiveButter team. So go to jcsocialmarketing.com slash GiveButter. I can't wait to see you raising more money online. On with the show. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nonprofit Nation. So excited to have you here today to be in your earbuds or in your car, wherever you're listening. I'm your host, Julia Campbell. And the question we're asking today on the podcast is how can we leverage LinkedIn for thought leadership in one hour per day? So how can we use this powerful tool that we know is one of the most powerful tools, especially for nonprofit organizations and for thought leaders? But the problem that we face often is that LinkedIn falls to the end of our to-do lists, and we are trying to put out fires or trying to take care of so many other things. But what if you could just spend some time strategically on LinkedIn each week to attract the people that you really want to work with and that want to support you. And my LinkedIn expert and nonprofit marketing expert, my guest today is Tanya Bhattacharya. Tanya is the founder of Lumos Marketing, a thought leadership consultancy for social impact entrepreneurs ready to stand out as they stand up for their mission. I love that. She offers personal brand messaging strategy for LinkedIn, along with coaching to dismantle imposter thoughts. She also hosts the podcast, The Campfire Circle, which explores the idea of replacing the boardroom table as the ultimate space of leadership with a campfire circle, a place to share stories, build inclusive community, and spark visionary ideas. And we're going to talk about all of that. So Tanya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. I love your podcast. A lot of our mutual dear friends have graced this podcast. And so I feel really honored to get to come on too. Thank you. I'm excited. It's been a long time coming. I've been following you and your work for a while. So I'm really excited to talk to you about how you got started in nonprofit work, maybe why the focus on LinkedIn that can maybe come second, but how did you get started working with social impact entrepreneurs? 
Yeah. So, well, I first started in nonprofit work, honestly, by accident, which is kind of a trend. You know, I don't, I don't think that's the first time you've heard that. Um. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely yeah. not the first time I've heard it, but I love how everyone's journey is so different, but sometimes accidental. Yeah. A hundred percent accidental, but serendipitous at the same time, because. So I wanted to become a teacher when I grew up. That's what I 100% thought I was going to become. Like in the green room, we were talking about our love for like reading Harry Potter in the middle of the night when they came out. You and I are about the same, we're the same like kind of generation. I know. And we should say that we were also talking about JK Rowling and the problems associated with that. Just so my viewers and listeners don't think that I'm, I'm a fan of Harry Potter, but not of the author, sadly, but keep going. No, a hundred percent. And so, you know, I want to be a teacher, an English teacher specifically. I loved losing myself. Oh, that was my favorite class in school. <sighs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. Every year, like English was just the best. I still have all of the books that we read and sometimes I go back to them, but yeah, just something about getting lost in a story is, is just so beautiful. So I ended up going to school for psychology. I graduated and I was like, you know what? Let me take a little break. Let me not go right into my advanced masters and stuff. And I fell into a role doing fundraising coordination for a nonprofit helping women and pregnant women and women with their children who are were recovering from addiction. And of course, I ended up staying there for 12 years, right? I went from the fundraising coordinator and like learning how to create an appeal letter, learning how to like do database stuff all the way up to eventually 12 years later, becoming the executive director of the foundation. So really, I I'm a fundraiser at heart. I'm a marketer at heart. Really, I'm a storyteller at heart. I think that's really what I am. And so that's kind of how I got started. I think that's wonderful. And why LinkedIn? Because I've seen your name associated with LinkedIn all over the internet, not just on LinkedIn, but in webinars, in podcast interviews, in various publications, like email newsletters that I get. So it seems like you are positioning yourself as a LinkedIn expert, which I think is really smart. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why LinkedIn and why now? Absolutely. So maybe I can answer that question with with kind of sharing why then when I was a nonprofit ED and then kind of talking about why now. So, you know, we were a small and scrappy organization. Like we were not, we were a pretty small shop. We didn't have a PR firm. Like we didn't have a lot of resources to be able to like put behind marketing. Like there was no ad campaign, et cetera. And of course, as your listeners know, working in the nonprofit space is you're, you're a busy, busy bee. You're starting at, you know, seven in the morning with a, donor breakfast or a call from a colleague trying to place a patient in care. The organization I worked for was, by the way, a residential 24-7, 365 organization, always running. So that was another layer kind of added onto it. And so days were busy. They'd start at 7 and at 7 p.m., you know, with a whatever, grant reception dinner. Or my favorite way that they would end was on Thursdays, we'd have alumni dinners where women who had graduated our program anytime over the the previous like 45 years could come and be together in fellowship. And that was my favorite thing. I loved that. And what came up for me is there are so many stories to be shared here. Like there's so many insights and perspectives. And I was especially passionate about it because like, especially back then, you know, I started in 2000 and nine, addiction was very much stigmatized. And it still is, but back then it was very, very stigmatized, especially for women. So I knew if I could share some of these stories, it would change. It would not only like help increase our visibility and impact and our mission, but it would change the stigma, right? It would break down the stigma. 
That's true. What people don't realize about storytelling is how powerful it can be to address myths and misconceptions and stereotypes, and not just fundraise, <laughs> to actually create that social change in the world. Right. And change hearts and minds, which is, I think, where like you have to start when you're talking about fundraising. So yeah, so I took to LinkedIn, you know, it was, it was free. I had access to it and I could tell, you know, these program officers of local foundations, these corporate sponsors that I wanted or corporations I wanted to get sponsorships from for our fundraising events, you know, these doctors, these interventionists, these therapists that would send patients our way. They were all on LinkedIn. They weren't necessarily like, showing up a whole bunch, but I knew they were on there. And so I challenged myself to just share one interesting story per week on LinkedIn, just one per week. That's it. And at the same time, as I shared that story, I'd send a couple messages to a couple of these past supporters, these potential supporters. I'd leave a thoughtful comment on, you know, like the president of our local chamber of commerce, stuff like that. Right. I was just sort of experimenting and it felt very, it felt like nothing was happening. It felt very inconsequential. I was like, is this a waste of my time? But I kept doing it. And I'd say about a month in to six weeks in is when I started to notice a change. You know, we started getting invited to PR opportunities. We started getting people inquiring about our fundraiser instead of me having to like knock on all the doors. We would get organic referrals from people who, you know, worked in our field and needed a place to specifically refer a pregnant woman, for example, for care. And so that's why LinkedIn, right? It's like the place to access movers, shakers, power brokers, amplifiers, these, these people that you can strategically collaborate with and, and move your mission forward, you know? I absolutely love that. And I know that just from some things I've been reading on LinkedIn for nonprofits, there are a lot of donors there. So people identify as donors or at least a huge swath of people that were surveyed in a recent study done by Classy and LinkedIn said like 97% of LinkedIn users say that they've made a donation in the last 12 months, which I think that's our people, right? (laughs) They're interested in what we do. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, my experience of being on LinkedIn is it's so different than being on a platform like Twitter or like some of these other platforms where I think that oftentimes it behooves the platform themselves, like Twitter, for example, to have like salacious, like fighting on content. Like it, it actually makes the money in ad revenue, but LinkedIn actually gets their money from like premium memberships and products like that. So it really behooves LinkedIn to create a space where people who are into social impact, like making a difference, like having good relationships, building business networking, where they can come and, you know, do those kinds of things. So I'm not surprised that 97% of, of LinkedIn users have made a donation in the last 12 months. That tracks. That's something that's so interesting, what you just said about how the other platforms really benefit from the controversial fighting, almost the debates, the information that, you know, that might be getting a lot of responses, but they might be negative. So it almost benefits from that negativity. But LinkedIn is really doing a great job making money from either ads or the premium memberships. So they don't really need to go down that rabbit hole. And I also think it's not a strategy that they've utilized. It seems like a much more civilized place. At least my LinkedIn feed is a little more calming and um, civilized, I guess is the word. So how can nonprofits start to build this kind of thought leadership on LinkedIn? 
So on LinkedIn, you know, you can have a company page, like your nonprofit can have its own company page. But I have found that the real magic, like the real impact comes from showing up as a leader on LinkedIn. Because the magic of LinkedIn is like the people, like well, that's where human beings are showing up to share their passion, their lived experience, their credibility, to really build trust and community as they imagine and shape the future for the better. And that's how I define thought leadership, by the way. So I would say how nonprofits can build thought leadership on LinkedIn is first and foremost to like focus on your people, focus on the people behind your nonprofit. And it doesn't just have to be the executive director or the board chair or like the C-suite because everyone at your nonprofit has a story. They have a reason that they are committed to showing up and doing the work of your mission. Like, so as much as possible, I think it behooves nonprofits to really encourage their team to share their perspectives, their insights, their points of views, right? Their opinions and their stories and even invest in like guidance and training to maybe support their staff and volunteers, by the way, like including your board members in this process is really, really great to do so, you know, share the things that are going on at your organization. Like I remember we used to have this therapy dog, Lola, who would come to our nonprofit. She was a golden retriever. Her parents were in Al-Anon. And so this dog would come to meetings and then the dog's owner was like, Hey, we should volunteer and go to local addiction treatment programs and just like love up on the people there, you know? And it was such a great fit. As soon as Lola would come onto the campus, like everybody's like face just lit up. You could see there was just a different, there was just a shift. And so I shared a story about that and I shared and I, and I got a lot of you know, got a lot of eyes, got a lot of good engagement and juju. And eventually the American Kennel Club, we got a like a connection to the American Kennel Club and they interviewed us in their like published magazine that goes out to, you know, so many households nationwide about Lola and about like her ability to just create so much joy and love at our organization. So it's like, there's so many stories. And so I would say how nonprofits can leverage LinkedIn is start to share those stories and maybe get everyone together at your next, you know, town hall, your next team meeting, and ask them to think about a story that really touched them in, you know, their experience over the last year and invite them to start sharing those things on LinkedIn. And not everybody is going to necessarily like feel comfortable right away, but I think that you can model this you know, show what can happen. And over time, I think it becomes a really beautiful method of almost self-actualization and sharing your mission in a different way. What you just said is so important because nonprofits are always looking to reach new audiences, but they're often talking within their own bubble or they're preaching to the choir, which is really important. But to reach new audiences, you reached the audience of the American Kennel association. Like that's a brand new audience (laughs) that your nonprofit reached people that love dogs and understand the power of, you know, creating that connection with a dog. So they're perfectly primed to become supporters, volunteers, donors, board members, whatever you, you know, whatever connection they might want to have. But I think using these platforms to create those and cultivate those relationships with brand new people to reach a brand new audience. That's incredibly powerful. And LinkedIn is designed for this, like more than any other social media platform, because let's say, you know, you create a post about something amazing happening at your organization. The people who end up liking it are in your current ecosystem, they're your current audience, but they are all connected to 
hundreds of people that don't know about you yet. And LinkedIn's whole purpose is to show that information to those people who are likely an audience who you want to get to know as well. Like that is what LinkedIn literally is about. This is so interesting because I never thought about the purpose of LinkedIn, which is actually to expand your network to brand new people. Meanwhile, I think Facebook just kind of wants to keep you in your own little bubble. Twitter is, I don't know, burning down right now, a hot mess right now. It, that's really interesting. So what types of content work best? And I know you have a freebie for LinkedIn prompts. So feel free to to tell us about that. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, LinkedIn is interesting because even though video is so like kind of important right now, I have found that videos are not really used too much on LinkedIn. Instead, I found that some of the best content on LinkedIn is really like an incredible picture that tells a thousand words and then backing that picture up with a little story about why it's important. And, you know, this is included. And thank you for mentioning the prompts. Yeah, I have a free resource. It's 14 prompts that any kind of social impact leader can use to draw out these stories that really can help, you know, change hearts and minds and make a difference. So I I think that'll be in the show notes. But in there, one of the things that I think one of the ideas that really works well for nonprofit leaders is a post about a collaboration, like share a story about your most recent board retreat and tag every board member and talk about each board member's unique contribution, maybe to that meeting or maybe to the organization as a whole. And as they're tagged, all of their friends on LinkedIn who are probably, you know, corporate movers and shakers, you know, just people that you want to get to know. I mean, gosh, I remember back and you, you can probably relate to this. I remember back to my fundraising days, like my direct fundraising days of meeting with our board members and being like, so who do you know? Who can you introduce us to? Who can you? And you know, that's part of the process, but on LinkedIn, that just happens organically just by tagging someone in a story. And then you still have to do the work ideally of them connecting you to that person. But often what's going to happen is the people that they're connecting you with are like, oh yeah, I think I saw a story about you guys on LinkedIn, or I think I know you guys from somewhere. Like they already have that background because you've been kind of sharing those connection points on LinkedIn. So Another idea might be, you know, as nonprofit leaders, we are involved in so many committees and, you know, like collaborations and just so many different kind of partnerships with other organizations and nonprofits and advocacy things. So talk about that and tag all of the different people who are involved and talk about what you are doing together. Talk about the vision. Talk about, you know, what is going to happen as a result of your work together. And again, you know, those, those tags, those connection points are really going to help you show up differently in front of a whole new audience that should know about your work. I've seen that a lot after either virtual or in-person conferences. So conference season, my big conference season is usually April and May. And there were just a slew of incredible recaps of the conference or people that attended the conference and they would tag their favorite speakers or they would tag their sponsors or, or partners. And it's just a great way to build community. And like you said, get into other people's feeds who might not know about you in an authentic way. It's not spammy. It's just saying, you know, I went to this conference or I attended this virtual event or I read this book. Or, you know, and then tagging people that either might have spoken at the conference or were involved or people that might need to know about this particular resource. So I I love that feature on LinkedIn. I love being tagged in a post when I get a little notification in my email. (laughs) 
and says, you were tagged in a post. I was like, oh, on LinkedIn. Great. It's going to be good. Getting tagged on Facebook is not as fun these days. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred. And the thing I want to say about that too is, you know, a lot of this work, because remember earlier when I talked about being lazy on LinkedIn, which is really showing up for one hour per week, not per day, but per week, which is, I think, doable for any, you know, the busiest kind of person, which I think are nonprofit leaders. But as you do that over and over, you start to become like, you start to like, people start to recognize you. Right. And so oftentimes, you know, my clients and people I work with will say like, Oh my gosh, like people are literally coming up to me at these like AFP meetings and these gatherings and saying, Oh, I saw what you said on LinkedIn, you know, a month ago. And I, th- and I, you know, and this is what I think about that, you know, and starting to have conversations with people based on what they're sharing. And yeah, it just takes consistency and showing up in that way. So I just wanted to mention that, that consistency piece too. What are some of your favorite features that nonprofits can use um, to build their brand? I think my number one sort of like trick up my sleeve that I used to use in fundraising is the search feature, right? And so if you're listening to this right now and you open up your LinkedIn, of course, you know, if you're driving, like keep your hands on the steering wheel, like don't do it right now, do it later, but eventually open up your LinkedIn and search for something related to your mission. So like, for example, in my example, at my old organization, I might have searched for something like physician or interventionist, or if we were preparing for a certain campaign, like a building campaign or a capital campaign, and I knew we needed architects and builders for our like committee, I might search for architect or something like that. And you're probably going to get millions of responses, millions of people that are showing up in your results. And that's overwhelming, but you can use the feet, the, the filter options to really filter it down based on your geographic area, based on all kinds of different parameters. But this number one trick that I recommend to all nonprofit leaders is there's actually a box under a section called open to in the filter space. And you can actually select people that are open to pro bono consulting and volunteering or that are interested in joining a nonprofit board, either one of those two. So those are actual options that are in LinkedIn. That will help you literally just search for physicians that are open to joining a nonprofit board or attorneys that are open to pro bono consulting. And we're all, you know, nonprofit leaders are always looking for those kinds of things. And LinkedIn makes it really, really, really easy for you to find exactly who you're looking for because those people have already self-selected in their profile that they're interested in being more involved philanthropically with their time, talent, or treasure. So that's a really easy sort of tactical thing that you can do on LinkedIn if you're a fundraiser or just trying to like expand your audience and your your mission to find people that are already wanting to get involved and just don't know about you yet. So do you think we should focus more on the individual profiles rather than the company page? A hundred percent. Yes. Because usually the folks that are uh, managing the company page are kind of like somebody on a marketing team. Maybe it's somebody on a, you know, consulting kind of social media team, but the people who are managing the actual personal profiles are those human beings. And so I would always focus on the person. Because again, this work of fundraising, of of change making is really human to human more than anything. And I remember, you know, back in the day when I was actually fundraising, I'd send a message to a potential donor, you know, somebody who works for like a mate, like a large foundation here in the area. And they would respond back to me. They would get back to my LinkedIn message. Whereas like they would not necessarily get back to my email. Because oftentimes those emails are gate kept, like they're, they're managed by a team of assistants. There's 
barriers in place for them to kind of protect themselves and insulate themselves. But on LinkedIn, like there are personal LinkedIn profiles. And so we can kind of, we have them on our phone. We see these messages come through. So it's a really great way to just kind of connect with the people we want to connect to. And I don't mean connect in terms of like, hey, like we're LinkedIn connections. I mean, literally build a relationship. I've had that experience with my podcast where I feel like, oh, if I send an email, it's just going to kind of get lost in the ether. And then I try to make a LinkedIn connection first. And then I try to send a direct message, just really trying to establish that relationship, maybe commenting on some of their posts or following their newsletter, really trying to, you know, show that I know what they're talking about, that I'm interested in them and building that relationship that way. So that kind of answers a little bit of my question. How can we use LinkedIn to connect with donors and prospects? But I think the second prong of that question is, do you think we should be using LinkedIn for prospecting or like, should we be cross-referencing it with our database and our other data? Is it a good place to look for just kind of cold prospects? Potentially. I think you have, if you have a specific need, like if you're looking for a very specific type of company or a very specific type of leader, I think it's a great place to find people that are currently cold to you. Although I will say most of the time you will realize, oh, like I have so many mutual friends, mutual connections, right? And then you can ask those mutual connections to really facilitate a conversation with that new person. I would say cross-referencing with your current database is a really great way to go about it. So for a time I did major, like major gift fundraising. And so before I would, you know, like LinkedIn has so much information about folks. Like, again, we were scrappy. We didn't have these big databases that gave us all the information. I can't remember like what they're called now, but LinkedIn, yeah, like not CRM, but like, you know how you can search for a person's name and it will give you like their wealth index, like where else they donated and stuff like that. So we didn't have access to those tools, but LinkedIn oftentimes had a lot of that information. Like we could see what they were on the board of. We could see where they went to school. We could see like what interests they had. And not everyone posts, like actually only 3% of active users on LinkedIn post content, which I think is a cool thing because it means you can stand out. But it also means that some of the potential donors you're working with are not going to be sharing their own content. But even then, their profiles still give you a lot of insights and information. So I would say like if you're working closely with some individuals on some, on some projects. Don't forget to kind of peep their LinkedIn and see if there's any information there that can help you build a relationship in a more deep way. Okay. So say I'm a development director, marketing director, or maybe development marketing director, maybe an ED. How often should I be posting? And also what are sort of, what are some ways I can optimize my profile? So I would say that if you post once per week, like you are way ahead of the game, like you are doing great. And, you know, if you like, I have a lot of love in my heart. Like I know what it's like to be in the trenches of the nonprofit world. And so sometimes you're not going to make that week and that's okay. Give yourself grace. But if you do share once per week, it kind of works on LinkedIn more so than other platforms, because again, like only 3% of people post content. So your content has a longer shelf life. It has a longer reach. Like you might post something today and a week later, someone else like comments on it. Like it still gets shown. And like, have you noticed that? Yes, I've definitely noticed it's a longer shelf life and I'll still get comments about a week later sometimes on, on either posts that either I've been tagged in or that I've posted. Yeah, exactly. It still has that, like, it still gets being shown to people. And so that's why I think once per week works really well, because even if 
you know, you skip a week, like your, your old stuff is still being shown to people. So I think that's, that's totally fine. I think that the top three things that you can do is update your headline because the automatic thing that LinkedIn will put there is like executive director of ABC nonprofit or director of development of blah, blah, blah. Like it'll automatically have your title in your company, but you can change it to actually be like a sentence or like a one sentence story about the transformation that you provide in the world. So somebody cold to you might see your profile. And be like, oh, okay, like blah, 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 shelter. Okay, that's probably cool. But if it says something about like, you know, I can't think of something off the cuff. Like we're working to combat food insecurity and make sure everyone has a healthy meal in Sacramento, something like that. That's perfect. That's great. Or like maybe something even in that vein of like, we've provided over a million meals to hungry Sacramento residents. Like, can you help us serve our next one or something like that? I don't know. People listening, like I'm sure have tons of ideas because they work in their space all the time, but I would change your headline first and foremost. Second thing I would do is update your featured section, which if you're listening and you haven't dusted off your LinkedIn profile for a couple of years, this is going to be new to you, but there's a section on your profile where you can actually feature the things that you are like kind of most proud of. So if you are on a podcast, like you know, share that, you know, you could, you could do your most recent annual report. You could do um, a recent PR piece that you were in, right? So really feature things that your organization has done or that you have done on behalf of your larger mission that you want people to really see. And then there's so like, there's so many things, but I'm trying to keep it to three. And I was, I would say a third thing that you might not think about already is start to ask some of the people that are really involved with your organization that you work with deeply for a recommendation. And at first you might be like, well, why? But it creates that social proof. Like if you are a fundraiser and you ask a donor that you have built a really beautiful relationship with to leave a recommendation for your work together, it will show other people the value of being involved with you and what it can do. And, you know, it might inspire them to want to get involved because again, we know with like the psychology of social proof, like we will listen to our peers more than we'll listen to like, you know, uh, somebody telling us what to do. I was going to ask you that actually about recommendations on LinkedIn. I always try to get them and give them. And I love that it's the social proof aspect that you can show people. That's also evergreen, You don't have to update your website. Like it's automatically updated. Of course you have to approve them, which is fine, but that's somewhere you can direct people. You could even put those, I think, you know, put them in your little email signature, like see what other people are saying or something like that. I love that idea. You could totally do that. And, you know, because you can't add them to your LinkedIn yourself, it also creates that additional layer of like trust and credibility because it's like someone else took the time to write all these nice things about you. So they must be true, right? All right. Well, you're inspiring me to double down on that. So let's talk about the campfire circle, your podcast. Please tell me all about it and who it's for. And I love that the purpose is to explore the idea of replacing the boardroom table as the ultimate space of leadership. So let's talk about the campfire circle and yeah, sort of what inspired you to start it. Yeah. You know, it's so fun. This was just like a vision that came to me is the campfire. Like I growing up, like I live in Orange County, California, and I grew up going to like Huntington Beach and doing bonfires. And I always felt so happy there. Like I loved the bonfire feeling. And when I think back to why, I mean, it's because I was surrounded with all my friends, like 
there were a lot of us, but there was always a seat for all of us, even if one of us was sitting on the sand or sitting on a log or something. It's where we shared stories, like the scary stories, but also the positive stories, like we got to know each other. And it just felt really good. And as I got to thinking about this, like everybody says, oh, we want to get a seat at the table. We want to get a seat at the table. And it's kind of like, well, yes. And what if that table is not actually like the solution? (sighs) What if we just change the table? Yeah. Why don't we build a new kind of way of leading? Exactly. So that's really what the podcast is. That's what the vision of the podcast is. And we tend to talk about embodied leadership, thought leadership, showing up, getting visible. We talk a lot about LinkedIn, but really at the end of the day, it's about showing up as a leader in a new way, which is through like really vulnerably sharing our stories and building community together. I love that. And I was a camp counselor for many years. (laughs) So I know the value of the campfire to create that community and that really like deep connection that, you know, is not necessarily available anywhere else. The campfire circle, I think that's great. So everyone look for the campfire circle where you find, where you're listening to this podcast. I will post that in the show notes. And I guess just to end, Tanya, I want to ask you a question. I ask a lot of my guests, what do you wish you knew when you were just starting out? Well, you know what I wish I knew, like speaking of being a Pisces and a Cancer, is I wish I knew that I had everything I needed to show up and get visible as a go-to voice on LinkedIn already, even when I was a brand new ED that was like 30 years old and feeling very imposter-y. I wish I knew that the lived experiences that I had already had up to that point were the things that needed to be shared to create a ripple effect and an impact, not necessarily having multiple degrees, not necessarily all these things that we need to think that we think we need to have. LinkedIn is a place that tends to foster these like imposter thoughts, these like feeling like we need to be perfect for whatever reason. But LinkedIn has really changed. I think COVID has changed it. I think COVID has changed our whole world. I think life has changed and perfect is not required. It's actually not even helpful. It's not even helpful to be perfect all the time because then people can't get in. Like they can't, you're not as relatable. You're not as human. And so I wish I knew that like just showing up is enough. It's enough to make the the impact that we want to, you know, create through our nonprofits and in the world. You have everything that you need and perfect is not required. I feel like I need those both on like a bumper sticker (laughs) and a t-shirt. That was wonderful. Where can people find out about you and Lumos Marketing and your work and learn more about how to connect with you? I would say definitely LinkedIn. Like if you have gotten anything out of this podcast episode and you want to start showing up on LinkedIn, come be my friend, send me a connection request. Let's be friends. I'm here to cheer you on. I'm here to lift you up. We all, you know, get stronger together as a nonprofit sector, as a social impact field. So definitely LinkedIn. And I would say the podcast is the other space to kind of stay in touch and stay connected with all the, all the weird thoughts in my brain. (laughs) I love it so much. Okay. So I will post that in the show notes and everyone needs to um, link up with Tanya on LinkedIn, especially to see her thoughts and listen to the campfire circle on wherever you get your podcast. So thanks so much for being here, Tanya. This was amazing. This was really helpful. And I took a lot of notes actually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thrilled to talk to you about this. I think it's something really important. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I obviously love talking about this. And I think that if, you know, more nonprofits could use LinkedIn, like we would be able to generate so much more impact because that's where the movers and shakers are. So thank you for letting me talk about it. This was so much fun and I just appreciate you a ton. 
Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode. But until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorns.